If you're enjoying Night Faces, please check out our Patreon subscriptions for access to soundtracks, cool merch items, bonus episodes of Night Faces, and our Patreon-exclusive award-winning anthology series, Middle West. Fan support helps us to continue making these shows and is greatly appreciated. Welcome. Half Bad Productions presents Night Faces. Episode 7, Lipstick Condolences The house was cold. It had been for a while. No heat or summer sun could warm the walls. Humidity that hung in the Midwestern air had no power here. Nancy warmed the bath. The faucet turned all the way to red. Steam rising from the old porcelain tub and the water reaching the line. The old stain. The one you can never really clean away copper-colored tint against the ivory of blood. She tried to leave this way so many times, Denver's heart stopping at the sound of running water. He would rush into the bathroom to pull her from the tub, covering her wrists in bath towels, to convince her that she could stay alive even without them. Bleach never worked. The stains in the tub were like a sad juxtapose to measuring the height of her growing children against the wall. Each notch of residue represented an inch closer to what she didn't know. This time, Nancy climbed in to warm her bones. They were the only thing that kept her moving, that kept her upright. They carried her when she would rather have not carried on. She left the door open for Denver's sake, so he wouldn't worry. She wondered about his fate often, that this man, the man she married for his sweet candor, for his lightness will be struck down by the death of women. She promised him, not one more time, honey. She laid her head back against the tile wall, lighting a cigarette, tapping the ashes into the water, turning milky gray. She wanted to let the stillness wash over her. She wanted to focus on the water, the overhead light, the grout between the tiles, the dirt beneath her fingernails, anything. But she was tortured by her reality, by the loss. Nancy could hear the TV in the living room. Denver was sitting on the couch with a plate of dinner in his lap. The window was open, 
and she could hear the birds singing their usual song, the wind blowing the leaves around the base of the window. She focused on the sounds of life going on, squeezing her eyes tightly and hoping just the noise would be enough to distract her. But it wasn't. In her mind, the sirens blared, the closed casket funeral. When they were called to identify the body, walking into that room, the bruises over her arms, how she wished it was someone else, someone else's baby. The way Jessie cried in the courtroom, Delilah's headstone adorned with flowers, next to her sister. What was left of her mind was rotten. It was buried in dirt and grime and blood and the violence of it all. It was Delilah's smile stomped out. Her voice choked. It was only death. Nancy took a deep breath. She dropped the last of her cigarette into the cooling water, watching it float for a moment before pushing it away. She whispered, quietly enough not to be heard. Denver, I'm sorry. And she was free. The night started to wane, the air less heavy as it pushed through the bar windows. A welcome breeze, cooler, level, turning brisk. Outside, the wind was picking up for a blustery night, and the patrons of the bar pulled jackets on as they walked out to the parking lot. Their faces pink with booze, shining against the crisp, rising moonlight. Delilah and Cross sat at their usual booth, one of three at the edge of the stage. The rest of the bar filled with tables. They were obscured by a large speaker, and they cozied into the spot often, shielded from everyone, able to be, in some respect, a normal couple, young, in love, the weight of too much liquor and temptation, only a shadow to them. Delilah tucked a soft wisp of her short hair behind her ear and leaned into Cross. You see that guy? She pointed to an older gentleman across the room. He hobbled up to the bar, hoisting one leg with much greater effort than the other onto the bar stool. He leaned all the way over, again with a considerable amount of effort, as Magda bent over behind the bar for something out of reach. Hey you, Magda laughed as she snapped back up. Not enough of a show for you in here? She questioned him with a smile and poured a shot for the two of them. Well, it's been a while since you were up there, you know. These girls got nothing on you, Magda. He smiled at her sincerely. Delilah and Cross watched the interaction from afar, laughing at the dance of flattery between the two of them. His name is Edmund. They had quite the love affair when they were young, when Magda was still a dancer. I guess he killed a guy or something. And rumor has it that Magda helped him bury the body back in the woods behind the bar. Delilah whispered this to Cross, with the flare of tongue that gossip always holds. What? In those woods? You mean your woods? Cross questioned. They are not my woods, Cross. Delilah rolled her eyes. Well, you know what I mean, Del. No, I don't. You know I didn't die out there, right? Delilah looked across, staring at her in disbelief. You weren't murdered in those woods? That's where they found your body. Yeah, I know. That's where I came back, as this, now, but that's not where... It happened. Cross paused. He took a breath, trying to hold in the anger and frustration he was feeling. I thought you really couldn't remember anything, he asked. Delilah could sense his tone despite his efforts. Listen, Cross, I'm sorry, but you never asked in any way. I can't be sure. You know that. I just have this feeling, this faint memory. Cross took a drink. He looked over to Magda at the bar. What were they even doing? 
they seem to have less answers now than when they started. That night after he left Erasmus, his shoulder busted, his mind racing with thoughts of his room filled with pictures of her. It seemed easy. Erasmus had killed her. Maybe he had some obsession with Delilah that he was ashamed of. Maybe he felt she didn't deserve to live a life of sin and bare skin. But when Magda asked him what he had found, if anything, he paused, considered for a moment the damning nature of what he'd seen. And for some reason, he didn't feel inclined to share, at least not then, not until he knew more. While Magda had a sense for things and she had visions of what was, and sometimes even what would come to be, she certainly wasn't a human lie detector and plenty of things slipped past her sight. Delilah being one of them. Cross carried his empty glasses up to the bar, a small service to Magda, instead of making her trek down to the stage to retrieve his empties. She nodded to him and grabbed the glasses away quickly and dipped them into a hot bath of dishwater. Cross sat at the bar for a moment before returning to Delilah. He examined the map of West Sal framed above the bar. The two lakes, the dam, small populations surrounded by endless forest. How was he supposed to discern where Delilah had been killed? Why did her killer move the body? What effort did that take? Was it simply to evade being caught, or was it ceremonial in some way? Hey Magda, need another hun? Oh no, that's okay, I'm done for the night. Cross looked down the bar, seats empty. Still, he lowered his voice. During the investigation, did the police search the woods near Delilah's house, or the shrine, or any of the surrounding area? I mean, suppose her body was moved. Magda thought about this for a moment. Well, I guess that's possible. They never found a murder weapon. You could start with the woods behind the Stevens place, close to home. Magda motioned for Cross to get to it as bar time ticked closer. She dimmed the lights on the stage as Sheila, her final dancer for the night, walked slowly back behind the shining curtains, the music fading. Magda poured bleach into her mop bucket, but as the liquid poured over the old mop head, she watched it turn red. Suddenly, she was overcome by a powerful vision. She clutched her chest as it moved through her. The overflowing bathtub, copper-colored hair floating in the mess, the darkness of the moment. But then, swiftly, the lightness too. The phone rang, Magda answered, and said the words as solemnly as she had heard them. Denver, I'm sorry. Delilah woke, Cross was already gone. Her days started like this often, Cross coming and going, Delilah staying. She rolled out of bed and walked to the window. Past the dusty curtains, she looked out to the woods, over the swaying wildflowers coming to an end, turning to autumn gold across the field. As always, the silhouette of a creature or two hung from the trees. Deeply arched backs, the intense, never-ending gaze of eternity, the smell of rot. She made coffee, pouring herself a single mug and leaving the rest for Cross. She sat at the small table and turned a spoon in the hot liquid over and over as she read the newspaper. Soon, the coffee turned cold, and Delilah left the full cup in place. She walked through the field behind the cottage. 
She walked past each cabin, slipping into some when she felt the heat of life. A husband and wife asleep in their bed, their bodies arched into one another in the way that only time can sculpt, perfectly placed cushions of their softest parts, their breath synchronizing. She would move on before they woke. She sat on the bench in front of the bar, the delivery trucks pulling in, unloading bins of frozen foods and bottles of liquor. She would laugh at the banter between Magda and the young men, Magda never being able to resist an able body. The sky would turn from pale to shimmering sunlight, the early damp coolness to a warming afternoon, wind sweeping in and out, bringing a touch of winter, the warning of what's to come after the radiance of fall would soon die, and the beauty of all that death, all the red leaves, the golden grass, would transform to ice. In the evening, Delilah danced, crossed sometimes in the crowd, sometimes not, her heart sinking every time she couldn't find his face past the shining lights. Magda played her song dutifully, and Delilah took the stage in the same fashion. She would close her eyes tightly, her hips circling in the familiar motion, and wonder what the hell she was doing with her top off. When she sat at her vanity backstage, the girls swaying past her, talking about their new boyfriends, their kids, their moms. Delilah would stare into the bright lights surrounding the mirror, her eyes unaffected by the light, her dark heart breaking into more pieces than she could ever put back together. Lipstick smeared across the glass, bright crimson. It read, Rest in peace. We love you, Delilah. Sleep tight, sweet girl. She held the lipstick condolences close to her heart. She sat in the parlor as Magda called to her. She answered questions on the Ouija board, running her hands over the flame of the candles, watching them flicker, no longer believing in any sort of magic. She would walk back to her cottage to meet Cross, the only thing she looked forward to all day, and he would take her into his arms. For a moment, she wouldn't miss anything. For a moment, her heart would race. The cool air would sweep in through the window over the two of them in bed. Delilah lying in her usual way, her head against Cross's arm, her body turned and tucked against him, her eyes wide open, staring through the night into the forest, greeting the creatures head on as they would come and go throughout the evening, her body shaking with every interaction, Cross snoring, the moments of her murder coming closer to her and then fading away with each monstrous breath. And then the morning would come again, as if each day had no remembrance of the other the ground of night faces and earthly purgatory to her soul, and Cross, the Keeper. Cross waited in the parking lot, the sun to his back, creating moisture and sweat beneath his button-up shirt. He checked his watch, waited for the car to whisk past the cornfields. He looked back to his cottage, Delilah sitting on the front porch. She was shining in the sunlight as she always did. The light affected her most. Luminous in the light of day, crystal in the moonlight, lucid in the cool and clearness. It would give her being away if anyone else could see her. He nodded at her glowing figure. She smiled and waved. In another life, they would be doing this together, maybe. Hey, Dad. Cross waved to his dad as he climbed out of the car. His dad squinting in the sunlight, the shining neon night face a sign above the bar. He looked across and laughed. You know, I've been here. Not surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's been some time, but I've definitely been here. It's good to see you, Cross. 
You too, Dad. It's been a while. Cross looks to his dad. He's reached an age where even a small passing of time shows. The gray hair is taking up more residence, his wrinkles deepening, distinguishing. Yeah, so much for a summer getaway. How much longer do you plan on staying in this hodunk town? Jesus, Dad, you just got here. Can we get to the line of questioning later? His dad looked at him, examining his state, his where. Yeah, of course. So where are we going? To the woods. They drove out of town about ten miles outside of West Sal. The roads winding as they drove, fields, meadows, thick forest. There was so much wooded land. Cross felt sick with wonder. Where did it happen? Would the location provide a clue? Would it untie the guilt of Erasmus from his mind? He parked them along the side of the road. Let's take a walk, Cross motioned to the woods. You bringing me out here to kill me, son? You would think that, Dad. Cross rolled his eyes. No, let's just explore the area, you know? Like we used to do. Well, this might be private property, Cross. No, it's okay. I know the owners. And he did. Delilah's family's home was not far. These woods backed up to her house. They lined the side of the country road, connecting up to the local grill, Jerry's place. Cross and his dad walked through the woods. Autumn creating a sheet of pine needles across the forest floor. The afternoon brought a cool breeze through the trees. It was a beautiful day. They didn't talk much, which was the usual for them. But Cross could tell his dad was having a good time. He enjoyed being out of the city. He appreciated the land, the country, the small town. Cross examined the earth as he walked, realizing the time that had passed since Delilah's death. The forest had carried on, burying suspicions, covering clues. Hey, Dad, did you ever have a situation where a suspect moved a body after killing them? Yeah, Cross, pretty much always. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, like if someone were murdered in a wooded area, concealed from sight... Why would the killer move them to another area, another forest? Are you in some sort of trouble, Cross? No, Dad, it's just a question. I'm curious, the motive behind something like that. Well, the obvious reason would be to better hide the body, but the act of moving a body is difficult and creates a lot more evidence. If the body was well concealed to begin with, that would be a red flag for me. Another reason would be that there was some sort of significance for the killer an emotional connection to the spot they moved the body to. This would indicate that the killer didn't act so much on impulse. It was premeditated. It would change our profile. That's interesting. Cross considered this for a moment. Someone came to mind. Feel like lunch? Sit anywhere you like, honey. The waitress pointed around the empty restaurant. Thanks. Cross and his dad sat down at a table away from the bar. Jerry was in a booth at the corner of the restaurant doing paperwork. Cross nodded at him. Jerry had been a suspect in the murder case. He had been one of the last patrons to see Delilah. He had an alibi come through from his wife. Cross didn't pay much mind to him, although Magda had mentioned that Delilah developed a distaste for him. When lunch was finished, Cross and his dad walked out to the front parking lot to say their goodbyes. Cross had decided to stay back and take another walk through the woods and assured his dad that he had someone picking him up later. The truth was that he'd gotten what he wanted from the visit, and he didn't need much more. He didn't miss his parents. He didn't miss his old life. He had taken ownership of this new life with Delilah, this life of mystery. He was sunk in it. Cross watched his dad pull away as he looked over the parking lot. Something caught his eye, a dangling piece of familiar fabric, lilac colored, sheer and shimmering, the texture of sequins. It was Delilah's, the familiar missing piece of her small skirt. That's the thing about being a ghost. 
You don't get a change of clothes. Cross had run his hands over that missing piece a thousand times now. Pause at the feel of it, the rough edges. Always a reminder of the violence of her existence to him. It hung like an ornament of torment, twisted around the rearview mirror, dancing in the sunlight through the windshield of Jerry's truck. Isabel, the creator, writer, and voice behind Night Faces, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about Apollo Plus. Night Faces recently joined the Apollo Plus exclusive roster. What that means is that you can listen to the show ad-free, gain early access to new episodes and seasons, more on that later, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And don't worry, you can still listen to Night Faces for free on your favorite podcast apps. This is just one way you can help support us. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators. 
When you subscribe, you are supporting not only your favorite shows, but probably your soon-to-be new favorite shows, too. There's so much to discover there. And the exclusive content you have access to comes from a curated catalog of top-notch audio fiction. Not only that, but creators receive 70% of their revenue on Apollo Plus, so that they can create a new series or another season of your favorite show, all thanks to you. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcast app or by going to apollopods.com.